You're listening to Seeing the Sequel, the movie podcast about sequels to films that were never made, probably for good reason. This week, we are talking about 2014's psychological horror, The Babadook, directed by Jennifer Kent and starring Essie Davis and Noah Wiseman. And, as ever, alongside me, three men that you would definitely not want to let in your house, I've got Al, I've got Joe, and I've got John. Welcome back. How are we doing, guys? As you know, each episode, we've just watched a film recently, so we've got to come up with the sequel. We're going to talk about the film, and then we're going to do the cast, we're going to put a director to it, and we're just going to sort of ramble on and see what we construct. But someone, at the end, has to do the all-important pitch. Is it going to make the cut? Well, we've all watched the film as ever recently, uh, maybe from under the duvet in a horror way uh the babadook i think <laughs> behind was... behind the sofa's the term isn't it or behind yeah, the whatever you like mate <laughs> <laughs> go on i'll kick it off babadook yeah excellent um excellent uh, art house independent horror film um two two factors about this one of the you know if you heard about the sundance horror films they do like tw- they do like um 12 midnight screenings for it i think it was one of them hereditary was another one the witch was one it follows was one the sort of one every year that takes sundance by storm this was one of them um I'm going to j- j- just explain, though, like to the listeners that I um, probably the highlight of my career so far is when I worked for Justin Curzel for three years while he was living in the UK. And Justin Curzel's wife is Essie Davis, who is the lead in this. Um, I met a lot of Australian filmmakers at that time because, um, for example, Dave Michaud, who directed The King and um, Animal Kingdom and stuff, he was working in London. Andrew Benedict, who was doing a, um, a West End play, Cat, um, Cat and a Hot Tin Roof. These... This, uh, Jennifer Kent, is part, in my opinion, I don't know whether Andrew Dominic paved the way for this, um, but a a new wave of Australian filmmakers. And these guys, they fucking know what they're doing. Like, Jed Kersell, who's Justin's brother, who's a composer on this, excellent. He got handpicked by Ridley Scott for Alien Covenant. I just... You know, we can get into the details of the Babadook, but I just... What pleases me about this is that it took the world by storm and it's part of a new wave of outstanding talented australian filmmakers you know that's what that's basically what i take from it i think it's probably one of the most the biggest success stories of that nice man joe this was the first time i watched babadook really Um, yeah i i I, um i remember it coming out quite clearly because my friend worked at icon at the time who distributed the film and she was um she was banging on about how good this film was and for some reason it just didn't sink in i just thought nah can't be that good looks like a you know average horror film um i don't know why i haven't watched it since because i have heard from many people like it's it's brilliant and and i should watch it so first time watching it um most of the way through it i thought this is awful like it's just too dark it's uh it's just nasty it's a nasty piece of work it's what i thought it was and not you know like just the the themes of a mother uh turning on her own six-year-old seven-year-old son uh with you know image imagery of like her strangling him or stabbing him it's just like oh this is nasty and i thought towards the end i thought at the hands of a lesser filmmaker you wouldn't get away with this um but (laughs) it is executed at a fucking high level isn't it and it's uh it's terrifying and smart I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. And 
it made me also realize um, something, which is, you know how I'm always banging on about like 90s action films. I think 20, like a new thing or what I'm just realizing is 2010s horror films is going to be like a new, like is going to be a thing um, where you've got, well, this, I guess started, maybe started by this or like something like Kill List and then you've got It Follows and then you've got Hereditary, The Vavitch, you've got, Get out. Uh, get out us like it's, it's really 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 good call i mean it's like i just said about those sundance screenings they do like the midnight screenings like all these are indie films as well the witch you, i don't pronounce it the the, the, the witch no one does. Uh, no i just but, 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 yeah, but, but, i feel well, like you have to separate it from the other witch film but but um, well done john uh, uh joe it's that was like half a mil Man, you know what I mean? That's outstanding. And these, Stunning th- film these as are well. great, great, great directors. And yeah. look at look at the star of that now. Like he picked her out early. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a thing. I think we're gonna look back and say the twenty tens great shout, just, you know, like nineties action can't beat it, twenty tens horror can't beat it. But you know what for me, yeah. um and I'll come on to you in a minute, John, it just it reminds me of good cinema that I love from the seventies. Creative, not big budget, you know, intellectual thought out something different it the pacing on it for me it was just absolutely fantastic yeah i just i, I adored this moment you're bang on the money as well with yeah. this new wave of horror that we're seeing and thank god we're seeing it because they are as ever i think with horror and also possibly sci-fi in some respects as well they're pushing the envelope a lot because it's just uncharted territory constantly you're playing on what you might find interesting just, just, just quickly to end that point off as well. Actually, is is that all of this like uh, critic friendly horror that is happening in the 2010s is also coming out? I think in movies like It, which is the biggest grossing horror film of all time, also in the 2010s, um, like it's it's coming through into the mainstream, like with things like Get Out and Us, which were which were huge successes commercially yeah. as well as like well, the you know conjuring as well. Yeah, I was going to say, they, absolutely. Horror, horror is like making a lot of money in this decade as well, which is, um, yeah, interesting. But thank God it's not a franchise, Saw 1, 2, 3, 4. I don't care if I never see another Saw film. It's the absolute antithesis. All right, John, what do you think of The Babadook, man? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a classic, isn't it? Like it's, it's, it's um, a modern classic. I think like technically it's great and all that stuff, but I think what I'm always interested in is the meaning and the subtext and the meaning of the subtext in this film is just through the roof. Like uh, there are, there's not many films I can really think of that does grief and the pain at losing a loved one. So intensely like because that's what the Babadook is right he's a he's a manifestation of her grief and her grief is so intense at losing her husband and she's got to look at her son every day and he's like the physical reminder of her husband dying all the time because you know he died in a car crash going to her hospital and stuff um, that's exactly that's exactly how I took it yeah I mean like and obviously she, she goes down to the basement and like you know, I've, I told people I, I lost my dad last year. Like, some, she goes down to the ba- basement. There are times in your life that that grief is going to be screaming in your face, right? Yeah. And then, and then she said, then she says, "Oh, it was quiet today." Do you know what I mean? It's you will always have to live with it, but she learns to live with it. Well, and then she's yeah. obviously got peace by the end. You know, exactly. Yeah. So, like, and that's what the film is about, right? Like, she's trying to ignore it at the start of the film, and then it becomes more and more powerful. And that whole "let me in, let me in," all become more powerful if you don't if you ignore me. Like, it's just in your face. This that's what grief is. Like, if you don't. 
if you try to pretend, if you try to kill it, then it will become stronger. The only way you're going to be able to live with it is by pretending. It's not by saying, I'm going to rid myself of it and just saying it's a part of me now and it will always be there. It will always in, 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 be in the basement and you've just got to control it. Um, I don't think I've seen another film that really does that specific concept um, in such a clever, oh, like in your face, it's not, it's not like, it's not hard film to read, but, but in just a really just impactful um, way that like people can um, get on board with and understand and sort of feel empathy towards these, these characters. Like, I think that's one of the most, most interesting things about it. you really care about the characters and you really care about their grief and like it's really interesting because there's a lot in the film and jennifer kent doesn't make it obvious what's real and what's imagined a lot um that's all like the illusion and the magic and all those things on the tv screen are, are hinting at um so again it's that it's like is grief is this a real thing or is a grief in my life just making me imagine this stuff that's going on around me and it's all being blown out of proportion because of my own mind so yeah, it's just it's um it's 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 that sort of thing that stays with you for a long time. Like it's like worth thinking about that for a it's, long time. It's got it's got a lot to say, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's funny you should mention the that you didn't like you never watched it, Joe. Like, and I think technically you were saying, Curry, the pacing. It's one of the boldest and most confident edits from like a first time sort of filmmaker. I know she did the short before this, but like that I've seen a long time. That's what I was talking about. These guys, and also, I mean. It, it's not just because it's someone I know very well. Essie Davis in this film, this is a role that unravels and just demands more and more and more from her as the minutes tick on. And she rises to the challenge. It's an outstanding central performance and the boy as well. Brilliant. Mm. Um, you know, it's just, but I think when, f one funny thing for me is the title almost does it a disservice. It, I think without seeing the film, I think, originally thought sounds like a silly horror film does that yeah. make sense yeah, a little like a bit silly ghost haunted house film which yeah. it kind of it is but it's not a silly and film. i wonder whether that was a contributor for you joe for never actually sitting down and watching it you know like i, I don't love the title I, I, I sort of dismiss it I, you know i think it's dismissible as a film a lot a, a much lesser film to what it actually is yeah maybe i actually thought as i was watching it um they say and refer to the young boy uh, as the boy enough it's in the script enough to make me think was that the original title was it ever called the boy um, interesting call uh but again like sounds super generic so maybe that's you know if that if that was a title then probably part of the reason well, why they went away from it is just it sounds a bit like a generic horror film because i think a few years later there was a shit horror film called the boy wasn't there but quite good at taking you off the scent though because that will make you think it's about like an omen kind of damien character mm. who's going to get possessed but obviously it sort of actually reverses to that but well we're going to talk about it in a minute director i mean you're right you're hitting the nail on the head al about the title when i first saw it i almost thought tim burton you know is it <laughs> yeah, is it going down that yeah. that kind of yeah. copying route so interesting well so it's a film we all love. Well, we could take that away from the listeners at the end of this podcast. Let's come up with a sequel. So let's remind ourselves uh, how it ends. So um, the Babadook is finally resting in the basement and they've got it under control. Uh, Amelia's sort of, she's got it, a little bit of a handle on it. She's trying to calm it down, but um, it's under control to a point. They're living with it. Who wants to pick it up for the Babadook 2? Well, there's well, a few other bits. So um, we've just had his seventh birthday. Uh, he's going back to school, presumably. She's going back to work as a nurse. 
they're feeding it worms in the basement, aren't they? And he's really yeah. into magic as well, which is interesting. He does the magic trick at the end with the bird. Yes, like yeah. I, that's what I wanted to mention. Like, okay, this is no longer like a kid with a slightly charming magic trick. This is probably the most fucking impressive magic trick that, <laughs> that Amelia is ever going to see in her life. I'm like, okay, is there going to be two coins in that pot? No, a fucking bird. Like, <laughs> Jesus that quiet. Yeah, I was like, come on. I mean, for me, it, did, uh, it is a bit like, come on, can we live without we, that? We're I not doing the greatest showman, are we? We're not going to take <laughs> you on tour around I, the world. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't, if I have to say, a reasonably flawless piece of work, this, I wouldn't have included the bird. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have. <laughs> One of the things I had, it's a totally stupid idea, but like they just do something to like, like they want to like rid themselves of some of the memories that they've gone through. So, so, so they move house, but then how do they move house and take the Babadook with them? Cause they can't just leave them there. <laughs> that, the Babadook too. Move, moving day. <laughs> the college years or something. I like the idea of the boxes. It's like, ki- it's like kitchen. Um, you know, clothes, Babadook. We <laughs> have <laughs> yeah, fragile, loads of fragile signs. <laughs> well, I think she's. Um, don't the like the the social workers or whatever they are. They they say um, that's a good choice of school. So he's moving school, right? Mm. I think that's where we've got to at the end. Like, yeah. So he's still been expelled for all his awesome. Weapons. <laughs> know, yeah. He's like a slingshot, a, a back-mounted slingshot. Can you imagine taking that cricket ball to the head? Scared the thought of it scares the shit out yeah. of me. But I take the I take a dart to the arm over that. Um, so he's moving school. So in theory, they could move house. Are we um, setting it like as as like after, or because it's like because the kid will be could if we're, if we're casting the same people, the kid will look a lot older because it was seven years ago and he's you know doubled in age since. So then. we are so we are going for the college years. I think so. I think it's <laughs> well, a he'd fair be, shout. He'd be fourteen, so it could be high school. So it could be like the faculty. He could be selling drugs. No, <laughs> <laughs> na- na- naturally he's a drug dealer. Um, maybe. Um, it, we could bring him dating into it. He has to bring a girl home. Oh, first date. Babadook, first date. Yeah, he has to bring a girl home and uh, <laughs> sort of talk about... Don't look in there! <laughs> oh, there was this one night that my mum throttled the dog and pulled her teeth out. <laughs> and I shot uh, her a dart hit her in the head with yeah. a cricket ball. Which I'd say, that, I'd say the dog and the, the teeth is probably my favourite moment in the film. I thought that was just fucking brilliant. <laughs> well, what about, surely, the elephant uh, in the room, or the whole pivotal point of the fact the first film is grief. It, you know, you've hit the nail on the head that the Babadook only exists really because it's a manifestation of her grief. What about if, you know, either either the child has got to meet someone or maybe the mum has got to meet someone, but then if the mum meets someone and falls in love, is there guilt there that mm. she's actually betraying That's her ex-husband idea. and is the Babadook then become a presence in their new relationship that she has to overcome? That's brilliant. That's like the most realistic and that's a, that's a realistic new challenge that they're going to have to face. Yeah. So maybe could they both be dating? Could that be interesting? Well, a good idea. Oh, yeah. oh, well, I was thinking that because it's him, it's her dating, but it's the son trying to accept a new dad. Yeah, but yeah, okay. But I was just thinking we could have... Oh, like go on double dates? Well... There's a bit more flesh on the bones if they sort Room of. for it, five. It could be quite interesting. <laughs> table for five, please. She's like, table for five, please. And they sit down. You got any worms? Um, um, and, and the Babadook will have the earthworms, please. Um, I just I think, think, I think maybe I it's think, an interesting dynamic if they're both dating at that age. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of an interesting dynamic. I think. Um, 
I, I like I like the idea of uh, of of yeah her her dating and and him having to accept like a new dad into the the dynamic. The thing that I can't quite get on this is like you can't just you've done grief right you've you've now you've told a pretty perfect story about that summarizes like the 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 damage that grief can do. So I think you almost need a new monster, right? The Bubba Duke story has been told. So can we introduce a new monster into the same universe where the Bubba Duke still exists because the Bubba Duke is in the basement, right? Grief is, but sort of like you know, kind of uh, has a lid on it. But what well, you, about well, you, what, le- you learn to live? The grief is that you, you learn, learn to, to live, live with with, the, with with it, not with, yes, not, not literally destroy it with it um, in the basement, feeding it occasionally. <laughs> uh, Words. Um, yes, you live with it in the basement. <laughs> Joe, I think you've, you've hit on something, man. What about yeah, the Lala Luke? What, <laughs> what about another monster? Like I don't, I don't know. Let's say, I mean, look, the kid's not normal, right? He's he's um, he's pretty odd, right? You see, you do see elements of him getting outcast and bullied. I don't think that's going to change just because you know they they they've they've got the Babadook under control, he's going to get bullied, this kid, for mm. a, quite a long time for being a bit And odd. he does magic <laughs> tricks at school. Like, that would get bullied, wouldn't it? So, so yeah. Could, I'm just, could, laugh, just laughing at Joe's statement. He's going to get bullied. <laughs> it's like, it's almost a threat. I'm like, you're going to go to his school. <laughs> yeah, you're the bully. <laughs> I'm so just you're thinking, is there, is there another monster uh, that could represent, like, um, you know, that, like, that, that feeling of being outcast or that, that bully, bullying. Got thing. an idea. Here. I mean, you've talked about maybe the monster in the first film is grief. How about we do the monster in the second film as betrayal? To your point, if he's getting bullied, well, we're putting it in college. So, say he's getting a hard time from the bullies in college. High what school about will be, high school be more realistic. High school, yeah. but what about if his mum falls for? the bully's dad who has recently divorced and the betrayal angle is there that now the kid has to live with the fact that his mum is seeing the guy's dad and for the kid who's bullying him and therefore it's betrayal. It's not altogether, um, it's not bad, Curry, because it's not altogether unbelievable because there is a f- sort of small town feel to, mm. you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's clo- close-knit feel to it, isn't there? Yeah, so, like he, so, so the dad brings with him like a monster, basically, right? He introduces a new monster into the household. Uh, for, for the first half of the movie, you think that the dad is a real fucking monster, terrible person and, and all the rest of it. A bit like in, the, in this movie, you think that the boy is, re- is, the, is the problem, right? And for the first half, you're tricked into thinking, hey, this kid's fucked up. He's seeing some, you know, he's going to be... Like, you know, the, the weapons and all the rest of it, he's the sort of, like, problem. Um, he's also the one that refuses to sort of um, dismiss the Babadook as well. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He, he, she's obviously in denial, whereas yeah. the, whereas a kid can't is incapable of being well, in denial. Well, yeah, well, he's lonely, isn't he? That's why I said, like, he's lonely. He's almost looking for friends because he is getting bullied at school, like you say, and he's just looking for other people, other things, anything, just to, like, and he's, he doesn't have a father figure. Like, you know, he's just looking for anything. He's, yeah, but on he's the latching gr- on to anything. On the grief theme, though, she's, like, numb with denial and burying it and he's as a child you are unable to do that so when the babadook lands on the doorstep or whatever that he he she can try and dismiss and ignore because that's what adults do he can't i think that's what i took from him being the one that's always bringing it up what about the manifest i think on the um on the new uh boyfriend 
angle as well. So maybe skip ahead a bit. But one of the things, the, 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 the casting of the dad in the original is absolute pants. It just looks like renter actor model. Like. Cheap, cheap. I'm so yeah. glad. I'm so glad you said that because it does take you out of it. He's overly groomed and handsome big yeah. time big time is that because it did they think i think maybe their mentality because because the make hair and makeup in this film is amazing essie davis she's she's raw but it's in a brilliant way and he look is it because he she's it's, Unless, a, fant- it's a fantasy yeah, it's image of idealized him. image yeah but it doesn't but it does not work because if, there was, an, work, if yeah. there was an ounce of realism to that father figure when we see him it would work a hell of a lot better yeah so we need a really ugly horrible vest wearing just crap fashion joe like- mango <laughs> <laughs> did someone say russell crowe on line one um, okay so just or, skipping- or shane warne skipping back a minute so the Babadook is a manifestation of Amelia's grief. I think if we're going to go down the fact that she's now dating a guy who's going to have a negative effect on Sam's life, then we need a monster, maybe from Sam's perspective, to manifest in the, in the sense of betrayal. And really the second film is, yes, in, in so much the fact she's, she's met a new guy, but maybe the actual second film is the fact that he's going over, he's going through hormones are kicking in he's going for the teenagers it's really their relationship you're looking at their relationship as mother and son of and then you've also got on top of that grief and betrayal on either side you've got her babadook and his manifestation of betrayal and it's the destruction that happens between those characters the two monsters and mm. the relationship with the new thing that you, it's just very on many levels there's a lot of stuff happening that you can't pinpoint down and the story almost could be about the new boyfriend coming in and just having to deal with what's going on and compute it. Well, I think if that's what we're going down, then just to jump ahead to the ending, where the Babadook, where the Babadook stays, yeah, but I think it's an important point, where the Babadook stays alive and you have to deal with grief, I think the betrayal monster should be destroyed at the end because she's not really betraying anyone. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, um, and I think that the boy needs to, um, I think the boy needs to use the Babadook like, like to to destroy yeah. the new monster, right? He put, you know, he build he build builds on his own grief and his own experiences, and says, "Well, I'm not going to shy away from those things. I'm going to use them to define who I, you know, to define the positives in my life, yeah. and I'm going to destroy that monster." So we can call it Bubba Duke versus Lala Luke, Lally Lally, Lala Luke, the Blob, Bubba Duke I, versus the Blob. I, um, I think that works as well because the betrayal isn't real. And he needs to dive back into the grief element, look at the past to understand that. And therefore the Babadook genuinely is, you know, emotionally what he, he what he might use. So we have a monster. Mm. So we, that's what we're calling it. Babadook 2 monster fight. And- <laughs> <laughs> Clash of the monsters. Is it WWF? All right, well, good. So we've come together with a story. Lovely. So, uh, and this is going to be, I don't know if it's going to be difficult or easy. Cast ideas then. If we just talk a minute, we're going to need um, essentially a bully for Sam and a new boyfriend. Well, potentially someone to play the monster as well. Like, what's the yeah. monster look like? Don't say Andy Circus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we do the monster in a sort of, the Babadook's kind of got the like a shadow top hat kind of. Well, it's all like the puppets, isn't it? The puppet, the puppet kind of thing. Yeah, um, I really like that moment when she sees it in the police station. That's great. Mm, yeah. That's fantastic. Mm. That's another thing about it. Just going back to the original, you're with her every step of the way. It's paced and written brilliantly because she never really makes a move that you don't agree with. 
you know what I mean? You're like, that's mm. what I do at this point. That's what I do at this point. That's what, you know, that kind of thing. And um, anyway, moving on. So the bully, the, te- the teenage bully could be your man, Ricky Baker. Um, <laughs> we love him. <laughs> God, that would be brilliant. A bully, Ricky, but a proper, horrible, nasty bitch as well. Like a real, not, not like a not like a funny one, just horrible. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see I- Ricky Baker just do absolute... Dicker. We're not calling him by his real name now. He's Ricky Baker. All right. <laughs> no, but he is. He will, but if, with fairness, forever he will be Ricky Baker, like one of the greatest character names and characters ever for a while, you know, for a long time. Yeah. I've always moves. loved the bit when he just he circles the farm and just gets like back in the car. <laughs> Do you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like so, so cash. Julian Dennison. Julian Dennison. Let's let's just call him oh, out. Julian. Okay. He can wear the Ricky Baker clothes as well, or like the big hoodies and the shit. All right. So how, how Rick- old is this kid, and why has he got a, like a 30-year-old bully. Ricky no, Baker's he's not. Not. he's at high school, isn't he? So he's going to be Ricky Baker. Ricky, Ricky, <laughs> Ricky Baker. <laughs> Ricky Baker's got to be 30, isn't he? He's 18. He's 18. He's 18. He's 18, yeah. What he's film, been held back a watching? couple years. Jesus. 30? What are you talking about? <laughs> what world are you living Look, in? So, All right. so Baker's in. All right, so we need a new love interest for Amelia. Well, I'm thinking of your, your guy from Animal. You know, started off, I was talking about the um, that Australian movement. Um, um, D- Dave Michaud um, did him, directed him in Animal Kingdom was um, Ben Mendelsohn. He's quite, yeah, he's quite nice a good... He's, it's a bit predictable because he does villain a lot. He's the guy um, from Star Wars, is he? From Rogue, Rogue One. Yeah. Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Killing me, so- me softly uh, and uh, briefly in uh, Dark Knight Rises as well. Yeah, he's yeah, very like good. Ben he's Mendelsohn. very good. But is this character actually going to be a proper villain or is he just like haunted by this monster? And then once a the monster's gone, he's actually not a bad guy. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that's, nice the, pro- that's the problem. He isn't actually a baddie, is he? He needs no. to seem like a villain though. He needs to seem scary yeah. as fuck. So that's perfect. Because there then. are illusions, right? There are yeah. illusions where he's well, like the villain. That's yeah, great then. So Ben Mendelsohn can play villain, but actually he perfect. ends up being ends up being completely vulnerable and, and yeah. inspired casting choice. I think it's very good. Now then, what is this monster going to look like, Lala Luke? Oh yeah, are we going I with Lala, Lala what Luke? Does, what does, how about uh, Babalooly? <laughs> Baloo, perfect. Baloo, Baloo from the Baloo-dee. Jungle Book. The Babadook versus Baloo. Well, you need something so opposite. I mean, the Babadook is so unique. It could be anything else, couldn't it? It could just be a well, I crazy. Don't know. What things represent betrayal? Well, I don't think it's. I think it's also like the, the, it's the the child element from the bab. I mean, do you want do you want it to be sort of a book? Again? Oh, I've got it. You know, I've got it. I like the idea of it being from a children's story, like you know these monsters generated from a children's. I think, I think that 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 keeps it in the universe, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah. it's it, an established okay. universe. It keeps it as a sequel, and yeah, it, and also gives us a platform. It narrows so us it, down. It a could bit. be a. It could be like a you know like a Gruffalo type. Mm. Uh, like bear type, uh, you know, shadow creature, like Sully from Monsters Inc. kind of thing. Yeah, or the Gruffalo, whatever. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> how are we are we having a scene where they go to a library and find it, or does because I'm how does the book get in? Because if he's 14 and Ricky Baker ain't going to be reading these, I don't think it's a book. Or maybe he did. Maybe Ricky I Baker he- can only read these books because. He's done. Um, he's, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there has to be a book. What Joe was just saying was then it becomes a sequel. It becomes the universe. It's the, it's the horror trilogy or franchise with the books. How, about, what I mean? how about the, the, uh, the, the new fella, um, Ben Mendelsohn, has a son, has a, has a boy. 
And Wait, with, Ricky, uh, Baker. Uh, Ricky, Baker. Ricky Baker. Oh, sorry. Right. He's the, right. Okay. <laughs> well, how about he has a little kid that has books, right? And, uh, and, and, you know, a child that has children's books um, and, and starts bringing all this stuff into his house. Um, no, yeah, what they maybe, do is maybe they go, it's they Ricky go, Baker's old book or something. Yeah, yeah, that, that's something that's what we do. It's in, their, it's in their house. They go over Why for dinner there. Why does it have to be a book? Why because book? we just said, because then it, it, book it doesn't, it doesn't. What about, right, if you'd link it to a podcast then? This well, is it. <laughs> all right, hang on. Let's, let me get this out, and then this you can is tell a, me this is a sequel crying monster from the podcast. But let's let's be fair about this, right? The, the original is so set up as a book. What, just hear me out here. What about if a bottle arrives on the on the doorstep with a little label it's that says "Drink Away"? That says "Drink Me." <laughs> a bottle. Drink yeah. yeah. me. It's like Alice yeah. in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. A bottle. That's what I you yeah. should hear me out, and that you should hear me out. Literally, and Alice then you can destroy me. I'm going to destroy you. A bottle. I think has to be. Or, has I think it has book. to be a book, but oh, the only right. other thing okay. would be like a VHS or something like that. But then you're going into sort of the ring territory, aren't you? Videodrome, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, so, what what makes you know the film? Well, not not what makes it unique, but it has a unique style and a like you know a a a very clear style that it, uh, that has from the book has seeped into like the set design and the costume design of the okay. whole movie and therefore the universe. I think you have to stick with that. You All have right. to stick for the book, but the way we get it into their life and it will be the time that the betrayal seems the most raw is when this is when the worlds collide. Uh, our boy, um, what's his name? Samuel yeah. goes round is being taken by his mom, Amelia to the dinner of, to the house for dinner of her new boyfriend for the first time. And Lo and behold, the door opens and his bully is stood there next to him. No one knows until nice. that. No one knows until that point. And that's the point that in that house, Samuel's like you know a strange lad. He's walking around. Goes to the toilet or whatever. Looks in the spare room and the book is there. Nicely done. Okay, great. So what we're going to call this? Well, I think we need to work on the monster's name a little bit here to define the title of the movie. Bobbly, bobbly boobs. Bobbly boobs. Monster mania. Oh god, it's yeah, but like we this is a classic case of like we are not a writer's room being paid for days yeah. on end to come up Joe, with a name. And important. We've got we've got about five minutes to come up with a name. Lala right. Luke. And also good enough for me. What's it called though? What's the film called? I think we can do better than Lala Boob. Lala like, Luke. I don't like the boob thing. That's no, yeah, what's no, the particular, yeah. Yeah. particularly yeah, sorry. immature. Sorry. Um <laughs> Get my high horse there for a minute. And, uh, yeah. In comes Ricky Baker, scene one. Really high horse, that is. <laughs> but guys, 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 please. Ricky Baker. Let's, right, try, let's okay. try and keep this tasteful. Ricky Baker, okay. get him in. So Get Shane Warning. Come on then. Let's give it. Monsters, say them out loud. One, two, three, go. Salali. Al. Gully. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, uh, uh, Bubba, Bubba Shelf. They're all great, aren't they? They're all great. And yet John come up with Lala Luke, and I was really happy with yeah, that. Yeah, all right, Lala Luke. Yeah, okay, fine. Great. That is the winner, so, isn't it? What's it called? Babadook 2, Lala Luke. Babadook versus Lala Luke. <laughs> nice. Well, what about the Lala Luke? Oh, God. That's why I think it's so important that you get this right, because this film isn't about the Babadook anymore. And, and, and I think it's too late, uh, seven years later, How about to this? do the Babadook 2. It's just too late for that okay, film. Wh- yeah. Okay, why don't, we go, why don't we just take a step back? It, let, let's help ourselves out with trying to f- figure it out. It's to do with betrayal of a father, yeah? The Dada... Or, the Dada-Duke? The Dali... No, sh- do we start with the DA, at least? Yeah. The Dali-Wook? 
the dada, the dada, the dada book. For anyone listening Dada's in this podcast, well, this is, this is five minutes old if, if, if right here. If it's Dada book, then it could be spelt like Dada book, and then we go with the book in a title. It's clever. Yeah, but then when Listen, you actually break it down, it's, it's clever. The, the Dada book. It's like a, ba- a, ba- a baby talking. <laughs> I know. Please, please let this end. I want to kill myself. Right. The Dada book is in. Okay, great. Who's going to direct oh, it? Right. Who's directing uh, it? Oh, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, you could, like I said, you know, the short I was talking about the Australian New Wave, Justin Kurzel, David Michaud, uh, Benedict Andrews, but why not just go with Jennifer Kent again? Uh, Apparently nice. her new film, The Nightingale, is quite the tor- the tormenting watch. So she's obviously still got the goods. Nice. Yeah. Okay, great. So there it is. I think, well done. Um, I think that's a nice sequel. I'd watch this. It's, it seems, you know, it stands up. Um, who wants to do the pitch? Going to suggest not Al this time. Um, Cheers, you, mate. Well, you go <laughs> no, I'm, a bit. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> so, uh, looking to you, Joseph, or you, Jonathan, which, uh, who wants to take it? I think Joseph does. Do I? All right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, all right, ready, yeah sure, ready, sure, ready? sure. Um, it'll yeah. be a simple, it's a, it's a fairly simple, straightforward story, isn't it? So, seven years later, we pick up the story with, what's the boy's name? Samuel. Samuel. Samuel is off to high school uh he has a tough time he's always been a bit of an odd kid um he's upgraded his weapons and his weird fucking (laughs) catapults and he's taken them in and it turns out the other kids find that a bit weird especially ricky baker who finds that really odd and decides that he's going to bully the shit out of samuel (laughs) poor samuel goes home every day sort of you know really upset and crying um occasionally going down into the basement to spend time with his uh, uh friend the Babadook now. Well, he's not. He's not allowed at the end of the. So he's allowed to go down now. Development. Oh yeah, he's allowed to go. Yeah, he's, he, he, he now down. is allowed to. Um, yeah, go down into the basement and and see the Babadook occasionally and feed him his worms. Um, so he goes. He's very upset by all of this, and he's made even more upset when one day his mother brings home Ben Mendelssohn, uh, who. <laughs> Uh, this, you know, his, her new boyfriend, who he doesn't trust for shit, because he seems like a bad guy. He starts seeing him like you know in in nasty visions of of destroying his mum and him and and and, and murdering them. Um, and he is the father of of his bully Ricky Baker at school. Um, so over time, he fights off Ben Mendelssohn and Ricky Baker utilising the help of the Babadook um, to defeat the evil monster that has been brought into this house uh, through a children's book um, by Ricky Baker. Uh, the monster is called the Lulla Duke. Dada Book. The Lulla Book. Uh, and looks like the Gruffalo... Um, <laughs> scary, scary. Um, and, and the big climax is that, um, uh, he unleashes Samuel unleashes the Babadook who fucking obliterates in a really horrible, nasty, uh, violent and gory, uh, fashion destroys, uh, the Lulla, Lulla Duke, Lulla Book, uh, and, and destroys him and, and wipes him from existence at that point, realizing that Ben Mendelssohn, hey, he's all right. And I think Ricky Baker should watch the destruction and just it scars him for life. And that's what you get for being a bully. Yeah, and that, yeah, and yeah. that sol- solves that as well because Ricky <laughs> Baker's so fucked up by it all that he no longer bullies him. Well done. Well done, Joe. Well, there you go, guys. 
lots of titles for that film. I think each one we talked about was different. Let's just call it Lalabook, Duke, Dadabook, Gully. Whichever one you want to pick. I think it's a good story. Um, nevertheless, you know, I think it's a bit of a difficult one to do. What would you have done? Always, what would you have done? Uh, as ever, thanks for your suggestions so far. We're going to do some of those. If anyone else wants us to do any films, and uh, do let us know. As ever, guys, we'd love five stars, but I don't care about that. I think all we really care about is we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys. <laughs>